Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. There's nothing like snook hook sets at dawn or catching a tarpon in the moonlight. Find your next fishing trip made easy on fishingbooker.com and experience the magic of the Sunshine State or any other destination on your fishing bucket list. Book a blue water adventure in search of sailfish or go snapper fishing with the kids. With over 6,000 captains and trips to choose from, planning your next one just got a whole lot easier. Download the Fishing Booker app on the Google Play or App Store or visit them online at fishingbooker.com to book your trip today. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast, your home for deer hunting news, stories, and strategies. And now, your host, Mark Kenyon. Welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast. Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Kenyon, and this is episode number 381. And today we're back for another one of our Rut Fresh radio episodes in which we are hearing from hunters all across the country about the latest deer activity, behavior, current conditions, and the tactics that are working right now. All right, welcome to the Wired to Hunt podcast brought to you by Onyx. Uh, we are back with... I think this is our is this our last Rut Fresh Radio for October. Next episode will be October twenty eighth, um, and that will be the last episode of October. All right, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> I'm I'm wishing away October all the way to November, but I shouldn't do that because good things are still to come in uh, in October. Uh, for those that haven't heard these episodes, we are basically going to hear from a series of deer hunters here in a minute. They're going to tell us all about what kind of deer activity they've been seeing, what kind of deer activity they are predicting, and all of the conditions and behavior and changing, I don't know, moon, weather, temperature, anything that might influence deer movement. That's the kind of stuff that we're going to be hearing from from these in-the-field reporters. Spencer, of course, you know this. I know this. Um, but that's the game plan, and it is almost the end of October, it's uh it's getting to be a particularly exciting time of year because we're we're basically on the doorstep of the pre rut and the Super Bowl is is gonna break open any day now. Yeah, these last ten days of October, which when this episode drops, there will be ten days of the month left, um, are really exciting because sign is gonna peak here pretty soon. We're gonna start seeing some of that pre rut stuff like seeking and chasing, like you said. Um and for a lot of serious white tailors, this is like their favorite time of year to kill a homebody buck that they're familiar with. And it's something that a lot of hunters look forward to each year, even more so than the rut. Because with the rut comes this chaos, uh, it comes the loss of deer, it comes with gaining deer, and it's like sort of hard to plan for. But for folks um, that like data and like scouting and like trail camera images and are really familiar with an area and know historical patterns, this last 10 days of October are really important 
thinking back to the biggest buck that I ever hunted in 20, I think it was 2016. It was probably a 170, 180 class deer. Um, I, I had kind of, you know, been getting pictures of him since July. Um, and the, the two opportunities that I had at him seeing him in daylight did not come like during the peak of the rut. They were like October 25th and October 27th, I believe. And so these next seven days, uh, are super important for white tailors that have some nocturnal buck, um, that they might finally get a chance at. Yeah, that's, that is the truth. I, I feel a hundred percent the same way. I've been looking at this week on the calendar as, as one of my very best chances. Um, for example, for my target buck, my number one target buck Tran, of course, that big eight pointer Michigan. Um, this was the, the week I circled is probably when I could really get it done because just like you mentioned, he's not going to be roaming all over the place yet, but hopefully he's getting, spicy enough that he'll be moving a little bit in daylight and I can get a crack. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a time that especially if you get that very nicely timed cold front, it can set things off too. You can get that rut or at least a flash of the rut a little bit earlier than you might otherwise, if you happen to get that weather too. And at least in my neck of the woods, we do have that weather hitting over the coming weekend, we're going to get a 20-degree temperature drop that lines up with that last week of October. And those late October cold fronts hitting it already a very good time seem to be like a firecracker thrown into a gunpowder shed. It just uh, it, it bodes very well. So I'm excited. Um, I'm actually out in Ohio hunting some public land right now, but I've made sure to plan on making it back to Michigan in time for this cold front that's hitting around the 24th, 25th, 26th time period because I want to take advantage of this last week of October magic with that cold front all hitting at the same time. So um, I'm, I'm certainly hoping it turns out the way we're, <laughs> we're hyping it up because I'm counting on it. Yeah, and sort of like the, the textbook example is if 10 days ago you had a buck showing up in the middle of the night at like 1 a.m., um, then maybe right now he's showing up like an hour after daylight and then 10 days from now, you know, maybe it's at last 30 minutes of shooting light, right? It's sunset. Um, but then you get the 10 days beyond that and you might not ever see that buck again because he wanders off somewhere during the rut. Um, so for those hunters that, you know, have some buck that they're really zeroed in on, this is probably going to be your chance, you know, now through October 31st or so. Um, to sort of put that data together and kill him on some fresh sign or some some field edge that he slowly is showing up closer and closer to daylight in. Yeah, you know it's it's funny. We've had a lot of these cold fronts that have lined up with weekends and lining. We've had almost had one hitting every week or every other week, and so I found us saying now is the time to swing for the fences. But often, <laughs> almost every episode we've done these, but yep. we had one that was leading into the beginning of October, and we were saying, man, if it's the beginning of your season and we have this cold front, it could be really special. Swing for the fences, maybe. And then we had like a mid-October cold front that hit recently, and we were saying, man, with this front hitting, this could be a chance to push in there and get after something. Um, but each one of those... I would say is we're excited about the cold fronts, right? We're always talking about those are going to give you a little bit better chance. Um, but that opening day cold front, you know, I look at that as like a, 
like a 7 out of 10 kind of excitement level. And then when you get that mid-October cold front, maybe I'm like a 6.5 out of 10 kind of excitement level. But when you get the late October cold front that hits, if it hits at the right time and you get this big temperature drop, that gets me to like the 8.5 or 9 out of 10 excitement level because you have these two very powerful drivers converging. You've got the the Venn diagram of pre-rut craziness happening when those two things intersect in the last few days of the month. Um, so even though we told you to swing for the fences, the fences several times leading up to this, now I really want you to do it <laughs> because as you just said, Spencer, um, you know, the deer you want to kill might not be around on November 14th or something, but there's a damn good chance he still is right now. Um, so, so at least keep that in mind when you're weighing your risks and rewards and when you want to go in there, um, this is something to think about. Agree with you there. Um, the hunters we talked to this week, we have Dan Moultrie from Moultrie in Georgia, Scott Spitzley in Michigan from Six Packs and Racks Podcast, Taylor Chamberlain in Virginia, the Urban Bowman, and then Garrett Hikes from Chasing the Dream TV in Nebraska. And we had two of our hunters we talked to this week that just killed deer yesterday. So I think you're going to find their reports um, extra helpful on this episode. Any other than what we just said, is there anything we should be thinking about? Is there any particular, um, I don't know, uh, common theme? Or or should we just let these folks speak for themselves? And then we get to the episode. Uh, These interviews are exciting. It's an exciting time of year. And uh, I'm going to let you get back to hunting, Mark. All right. That works for me, Spencer. Our interviews this week are presented by Trophy Ridge. Make sure to check out their full lineup of sites featuring their React technology. After only two pin adjustments, React technology delivers dead certain accuracy at any distance. I own a React Trio Pro site, and it's my favorite site that I've ever owned. It's perfect for when I'm out west trying to kill an elk or in traditional whitetail country and trying to kill a deer from a tree stand. Check out their sites and other accessories at TrophyRidge.com. All right, and joining us on the line next is Garrett Hykus from Chasing the Dream TV in Nebraska. Now, Garrett, in Nebraska, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? Um, I think in the past week, um, from my hunts, I've been out quite a bit, but I'd say it's probably a 5 or 6, probably closer to a 6 um, with the colder weather we've had. And I've noticed food sources have been pretty important, um, especially green food sources like alfalfa and brassica plots. The cold weather has definitely helped in my opinion. Um, sometimes you don't see as much buck activity right now. Um, if it's warmer, um, a lot of guys talk about the October lull, but from this week, I've seen quite a bit of activity on scrapes and stuff like that. I've got all my cameras switched over to them. Uh, last two nights, especially they've been coming out super early. We've had cold misty weather the last couple of days and been sitting on food sources and in my main plot where I actually killed last night but plenty of plenty of deer activity in the evenings uh, pretty early seems like they've been bedding up pretty early in the mornings though tell us about that setup from last night when you arrowed that awesome whitetail two years ago we started a pretty good sized food plot about three and a half acres along a creek line with bedding on the northwest corner and on the east side and this year I kind of completely redesigned it to try to help my chances um, after learning how the deer moved in there a little better last year so I put uh, 
pretty tall Egyptian wheat strip from the very west end all the way down the south border to the east end. And that helped my access in and out. And then south of me across the lane, um, there's a big main field that's alfalfa. So I've kind of got the plot set up to be a good transition plot between uh, bedding in the main food. And uh, the last few weeks, I've been chasing this buck that I call C2. And he'd been coming out quite a bit in the east side of the plot. And I have a platform lined over there that's set up for northwest wind, but the wind uh, broke a couple of the supports in it. So I didn't have that set up. And I've got a hay bale blind on the west end. So I'd been sitting that, and it seems like every time I sit that hay bale blind, he comes out on the east side by the platform. So yesterday I went in, I ended up finding a kind of a crappy ground blind in the barn and I got that popped up on the platform and sat it last night and I put it on my Instagram story, um, kind of making a joke. I kind of knew it was going to happen though. Now that I was in the right blind, he was going to show up in front of the other one and probably 45 minutes before dark, I looked over to my left, which is over by the bail blind and he was standing broadside at 25 yards from that one. And it took him quite a while to get down towards me, but finally worked his way down a bean row, crossed the fence at 35, and then took a couple steps, quartered away. I don't remember if I ranged him at 37 or 39, but shot him. And last second, he ducked and lunged forward pretty hard. And I hit him in front of the back right hip um, on the spine, dropped him, but it also hit the artery, knocked another arrow and shot him in the heart. And then he went down pretty quick after that. But there, I've been seeing the food source has been pretty good they're pounding the soybeans and now that they're dried out and it's getting colder and then i've also got half the plot planted in uh, wildlife perfect brassica blend so they've been tearing those up but i think good green food source near the bedding has been pretty important from what i've seen the past week you mentioned that a lot of your trail cameras right now are on sign are you seeing a lot of fresh rubs and scrapes showing up in the woods right now yep especially the past week um the week before it was pretty warm but this last week, it's cooled down quite a bit. And I think between between the time of the month that it is and the weather cooling down, my scrape activity has picked up big time uh, on all my cams. I think I have all my all my cameras set up on mock scrape licking branches right now. And yeah, definitely the last week, especially the last five days, the bucks have really been hitting them pretty hard. What does a decoying or a calling setup look like for you in Nebraska at the end of October? End of October, um, I like to be in good pinch points, like typical rut funnels between doe bedding areas. And usually I'll sit for a couple hours in the morning, let the deer filter into the beds, and then I'll try um, a grunting sequence with my um, Deer Society extinguisher grunt tube. And then I'll wait probably 10, 15 minutes and then do a, not a, not too heavy and aggressive rattling sequence, but um, do a short, short kind of, heavier sparring sound for that and then probably wait an hour hour and a half before i try it again going forward then in this next week or so what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of one to ten in nebraska looking at the forecast and the moon phases i think it's really going to skyrocket our temps are going to drop the highs are going to be low to mid 30s um, and northwest winds, which I think is ideal for end of October, especially. And based off the moon, um, we've got another full moon coming. So I think it's really going to, really, really going to pick up scrape activity in the next week. Um, I think we might, might see a little bit of chasing bucks pushing does around, even though we're still 
few weeks out from the true rut, but I think the activity will definitely pick up in the next week. All right, Garrett, well, congrats on the great buck. Good luck with the rest of your season, and thanks for joining me. Yep, thanks for having me on. All right, and joining us on the line next is Taylor Chamberlain, the urban bowman in Virginia. Now, Taylor, in Virginia, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? On a scale of 1 to 10, it's been a a 3.75. Yeah, really not a lot of buck activity uh, in the daylight hours that we're seeing here um, yet. You know, we're right at the the point of October where I call it kind of like the sign explosion. So um, the deer are, are kind of getting ready to just pop here. And, you know, every day from now through the next 10 days or so, I think you're just going to continue seeing a ton more sign get laid out in the woods. And that's really important sign uh, based on, on what you're hunting and, uh, where you're hunting and kind of, you know, obviously you don't want to go blowing into your areas, scouting them fully right now, but it's really important to pay attention, um, and, and kind of lightly scout and see what's going on. Because if you're not keeping your head on a swivel right now, you could be missing out on some really great hunting and great spots to be hunting in. As an urban bow hunter, what sort of food sources are you focused on during pre-rut? So right now where I am in Northern Virginia, I am really focused on the white oaks. Uh, This year we have a really, really poor white oak crop, which is really good as a hunter. People don't really think about that, but when there are a ton of acorns around, uh, the deer don't have to to choose where they're going. They can literally just, you know, go at random and, and find some acorns to eat. However, when you have a year like this, where you have a really poor acorn crop, you know where the deer are going to be. So when you find some white oaks that are dropping, the deer are really going to hammer them hard. So uh, what I do this time of year is I'm looking for for any and all white oaks that are dropping. Uh, I will pretty much bet the farm and guarantee that if you find a white oak that's dropping this time of year, you will find sign everywhere around it. Uh, Communal scrapes and a lot of of deer uh, activity around it as well. When do you expect to start seeing some seeking and chasing in Virginia? This week is one of my favorite weeks to hunt of all time because the deer, uh, the the bucks are starting to really kind of put some sign down and they're starting to tend to that sign. It's a really, really, really good time to get in to a communal scrape or a scrape line. Um, early morning, those deer are going to hit those right before they go back to bed. They're going to be on their feet just a little bit longer in daylight hours. We've really kind of are, are crossing the threshold right now from uh, deer being bedded up. But I'm talking about buck, bucks being bedded up uh, before sunrise. Now they're going to be moving around a little bit. That first hour, two hours of, of daylight are really, really good. This is my absolute favorite time of year to kill a buck in his core home range over a scrape in the morning before he starts venturing out. So everybody that's been out there doing their homework for, uh, you know, all year long, uh, finding deer, figuring out where their home ranges are, this is the time to finally move in on those stands um, over that, that communal scrape or destination spot uh, tight on buck bedding and put an arrow in one of them. The absolute best week of the year, as far as I'm concerned, for killing deer uh, that you know about. 
before they start chasing and, and going miles away where you don't have control of them. I know you're kind of getting new permissions on properties throughout the year. So if you get access to a new piece of land in late October, what are you looking for when you go in and you're doing some in-season scouting? So in-season scouting, I'm trying to tread as lightly as possible. So I'm going to go in, I'm going to poke around looking for food, looking for sign. Uh, it's very easy to find the, obviously, you know, white oaks are, are easy to identify based on their bark. Um, but even if they don't have white oaks, you can find deer really hit maple trees uh, really hard this time of year. The leaves, um, uh, they really, really like the maple leaves. If you find some some droppings on the ground, a lot of deer sign, uh, that's obviously a great place to start. And then if you start seeing, you know, rubs and scrapes, those are going to be around a lot of the predominant food sources right now. And that's a great place to set up. So when I'm going in scouting, I tread lightly. I'm looking for a sign. I always take a couple of cellular trail cameras with me. I'm going to pop them out um, or regular trail cameras, whatever you have. But I want to get as much intel as quickly as possible. And then for me, I'm looking for the best tree to hunt that has the the best access that is the least intrusive. So I'm looking to be able to get in and out without bumping deer or without uh, spooking deer. Getting intel that first sit on all those properties is always one of the best to kill a deer. So wait until you have the intel that you know are there. Don't just wing it and uh, you will have a very successful hunt, I would imagine. In an urban environment, is calling and decoying, are those tactics that you'll use? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, you have to be careful with the decoying um, sometimes because you don't want to draw a ton of attention to yourself as a hunter, and it looks a little odd if there's a doe uh, or a buck standing in the corner of a yard for four or five hours. But, um, you know, just like they work on, on big rural areas, uh, decoying, calling especially works very well. Um, you just have to remember that it's all up to the buck and, and the bucks have different personalities. Some are, are fighters, some are shy, um, some are vocal, some are not. So, um, you know, being able to see those animals and call to them and kind of read their body language will really help you in, in doing any type of calling for those animals, but also, you know, just throwing a grunt out here or there, doing a little bit of light rattling. Uh, that's always been helpful for me. It's definitely something that I'm going to continue to use in my arsenal. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Virginia? I think it's going to be a solid 10. I mean, I'm looking really forward to every morning coming up here. You will not find me not in the woods. Uh, It's going to be a really, really, really good week coming up, and I hope all you guys are getting out there. I mean, we have warm weather coming through this week. It's going to be in the mid to upper 70s uh, with lows kind of in the upper 40s, lower 50s in the morning. That's really going to condense the deer activity down to those early morning hours. The deer are not going to be running around in the middle of the day. They're not going to be up on their feet until the very end of the day uh, to feed. And it's just a great time to catch a lot of condensed activity in the morning. So find those big communal scrapes. Find the food sources, um, the, the scrape areas that are removed from food sources that I can get in on and hunt in the mornings are my absolute favorite spot. And this is my favorite week to hit them. So I highly recommend people getting out in the woods and, uh, you know, hopefully arrowing their, their target animal. 
All right, Taylor, love following your content at Urban Bowman. Good luck with the rest of your season, and thanks for joining me. Thanks, Spencer. Have, have a good luck out there. All right, and joining us on the line next is Scott Spitzley from Six Packs and Racks podcast in Michigan. Now, Scott, in Michigan, what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of 1 to 10? I'd give it about a 7 or an 8. I've been uh, noticing a lot of mature buck movement during the day. Um, browsing around. I think if you got them patterned right now, I think it's a pretty decent time to get on them before they start running around chasing does. I know you just aired a big Michigan buck yesterday, October 19th. Tell us a little bit about that setup. So on this setup, I set up on a river bottom and it's a set that we actually just put up the day prior. We have been noticing bucks cruising through here kind of late morning, midday-ish. So I knew to get in there and try to get in there early and get set up quietly and uh, catch one running by later morning, midday. So I ended up sitting or planned on sitting until about 11 o'clock. And uh, sure enough, uh, one of my target bucks had been brushing and making a scrape about 30 yards from me. And he worked my way or worked his way, um, basically not right under me, but about 20 yards away and uh, presented me with a beautiful shot. Unfortunately, um, I'm still tracking that deer, and I was shot that deer yesterday. What were those bucks doing moving through there mid-morning, and is that something that you notice every year? Is that a historical pattern for late October in that area? Yeah, usually around this time of year, um, the little bucks are kind of chasing does. I've noticed a lot, and usually about a week prior is um, when that happens, and then a week later, you'll start seeing the, the bigger bucks chasing, but I think they're just kind of patterned right now i think they're just comfortable um there hasn't been too much pressure on this property that i'm hunting right now and i just picked the best weather date and uh best possible spot that i had thought that give me an opportunity and um i had that opportunity so are you seeing any sign making yet in michigan lots of sign um lots of fresh uh rubs and scrapes um they're getting hit often too. What food sources are relevant for hunters in that part of the country right now? Um, I'd say around me, it's been fresh cut corn, um, fresh cut beans. They just cut corn across the road um, from our property here. And I've noticed a lot of deer feeding out there throughout the night. Um, obviously, acorns are still getting eight right now um and i've noticed a lot of browsing i mean deer don't just eat good food sources they eat anything green i've noticed so um definitely don't just focus on food sources this time of year in a pressured neighborhood like what you're hunting in michigan do you try tactics like calling and decoying um only when i see them and i actually had this happen to me about four sits ago i had another one of my target bucks uh about 60 yards and he was just browsing uh, about 20 minutes to dark and i ended up calling and he didn't hear me so i called a little louder and you probably should just like call behind you to make it so they don't know exactly what direction or you know about the spot you called from because I made that mistake and he picked me off right after I called and I was just tr trying to call to get his attention. And, uh, he ended up getting spooked and ran away after that. So 
I technically, I would call if I see the deer or buck, I won't blind call. I don't do a lot of blind calling, maybe during the rut when it's hot, but usually not this time of year. Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Michigan? With the next week, week and a half, I would give it about a 9. It's um, the full moon's coming. Uh, you know, it's pre-rut. It's just around the corner. You're going to start seeing those mature bucks on their feet through day, on, in daylight chasing does. Um, I think your best bet is to start hunting uh, downwind of doe bedding around that time so yeah within the next week i I think it's going to be pretty good out here all right scott well good luck with your tracking i hope this story has a happy ending thanks for joining me i appreciate it sponsor all right and joining us on the line next is dan moultrie in georgia from moultrie now dan in georgia what would you say the buck activity has been lately on a scale of one to ten you know we're hunting middle georgia and georgia's pretty much the same all the way throughout the state uh, but we're right in the middle, so it's pretty representative. But the, the buck activity has been like a four on a 10-point scale. They have been uh, – uh, you see the young deer chasing a little bit. The young bucks are chasing. They have no idea why they're chasing, but they're chasing. You see the increase in scrapes and rub activity going on, and they're heading toward the – usually around November 8th is, is – the Georgia, you know, you can't count on it exactly every year, but sometime around November 8th, the peak of the rut. Now, I know you hunt all over the South. How does the timing of Georgia's rut differ from other states in that region? You know, what's great about that is is we've got a ranch in Texas and Alabama and Georgia, and, and we we last week or so we had uh, Bo Jackson out there, and, and who's a great bow hunter, and they're just not, you know, they're just barely coming out of a summer activity in Texas right now. But Georgia, you can sort of always count on November 8th. You can count on Texas always about November or December 10th. And you can count on Alabama about January 10th. And so it's really good, especially if guys are hunting only rut activity and having the chance to kill the biggest deer possible, uh, which usually that brings that's great because you get to go to each different state and hunt the best of the best during that time. So that, that affords a, a hunter a great opportunity. Specifically talking about Georgia then, when do you expect to start seeing some seeking and chasing from mature bucks? I would say that that's probably, uh, with the, you would start seeing the age class go up on the seeking and chasing uh, we're, we usually probably the end of next week rattling, uh, pre-rut rattling will be very, very effective, especially for people that have, are hunting in a correct bow to doe, uh, buck to doe ratio area. Uh, but, uh, ours within a week will be rattling, uh, November 8th. You better strap on your belt and the stand cause they're going to be wide open. Are you seeing a lot of sign making right now in Georgia? Lots of increase in scrapes and rubs uh, and the difference in the velvet rubs that they've done, you know, a month ago. The Lots of uh, uh, pre-rut rubs getting ready for the rut. Lots of scrapes. Every logging road through any of the woods with an overhanging branch has a scrape up under it. And it's, it appears to be starting a textbook year for, for the rut in Georgia. What food sources are relevant for whitetails in that part of the country right now? 
uh, natural food sources besides man-made, which it, everyone controls themselves and food plots or putting out uh, uh, free choice supplements or feeding farm, the the muscadines are just playing out right now. Uh, that's really our earliest really good food source. The If you're lucky enough to have some chestnut trees, which we do on the property, of course, that is tremendous food habitat when, for the deer when they drop those. But the, the muscadines are playing out. The white oaks appear to be full in the canopy, but they're a little bit late dropping. But you're just seeing some dropping. Uh, right now is when you find that sweetheart tree that is really outproducing, dropping a lot more acorns than the rest of them on the white oaks. But within the next week, they ought to be wide open. Now, obviously, as the founder of Moultrie, you run a lot of trail cameras. So how do you utilize cell cameras in pre-rut and during the rut? And how is that different than maybe a regular trail camera? You know, you can tell what one of the, the neatest tricks with cell cameras is you can pattern deer so well before the rut activity. And you've got the same buck coming in the same time within minutes the same day same group of bucks comes in in the bachelor group same group of does come in you can monitor that with the increase in rut activity though you'll start seeing bucks fall out of the groups you'll start seeing new bucks come in you'll get pictures of the a buck coming through not eating just pushing a deer but one of the neatest tips that i've been given lately is with cell cam and cell cameras are taking over the camera business as everybody knows the but getting the signal seems to be the difficult part doesn't matter whose brand it is hopefully it's our brand but we're really with anybody it's it's the getting a signal one of the neatest everybody says oh i I put the camera up and i I can't quite get a signal we have an area that in fact is the area that i bow hunt and it's extremely hard to get a signal out move the camera up to your tree stand you've already got a stand and a climbing deal where you're going to be 20 feet up 20 20 some people higher at my age i'm gonna go 20 and and you're 20 feet up the signal comes in beautifully and it's a really i kind of like the perspective from above better because you can really see the rack and analyze the rack better where sometimes you don't get it on a ground level but you, if, if the, the, the tip of the year for us is if you're having trouble getting a cell phone signal, move the camera up and point it down out of your out of your tree stand, and then you'll really be getting your signal better. So where are you running a lot of your trail cameras in late October and early November? We, we keep them on all food sources, on all uh, protein feeders, on all spin feeders, and we would put you know we don't really put one on scrapes and rubs but for people that's never done it it's it's a neat deal for them to see that you know what they may have heard about old fodder about hey the buck will revisit that scrape or doesn't revisit or see the same scrape it's neat for them to see what deer activity is really on it which deer actually comes and they can differentiate between what they've been told that's tailgate talk and what's the real deal on it Going forward then in this next week or so, what do you think that buck activity is going to be on a scale of 1 to 10 in Georgia? In the in the next week or so, I've, again, right now I'd rate it a 4. The next week or so, it'd be a 6. Two weeks, it'll be a 10 and strap it on. All right, Dan, well, I like your optimism. Good luck with the haunts the rest of your season. Thanks for joining me. Hey, Spencer, thank you so much. Thanks for what you all do. Thanks for informing all the hunters.
And that concludes this week's episode of Rut Fresh Radio. Thanks to Garrett, Taylor, Scott, and Dan for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. These next seven days are one of my favorite stretches of the year, and I hope you'll be in the woods taking advantage of the increased deer movement. Look for fresh sign, pay attention to what your trail cameras are telling you, and don't forget the rattling antlers and grunt tube at home. The next time I talk to you, we're going to hear a lot about seeking and chasing, so get ready for the woods to light up. Until then, stay wired to hunt. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. You simply pour a can into your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. So pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. I'm sure a lot of you guys remember the old ceremonial hunting tradition of eating the heart out of the first animal you kill. Meat from those organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. You can get those same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from Heart and Soil. Find out more at heartandsoil.co. And remember, use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase.